0: Cause we're talking with T-Bird now Miss T-Bird, you cannot change Oh, 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 oh. Miss T-Bird, you cannot change And things might get pretty strange Yeah, that's right. Talking with T-Bird is back. And here is the woman who has been tracking down survivors all summer long to bring them on to Rob as a podcast. Here is the great Teresa T-Bird Cooper.
1: Hello, Rob. How is your day going?
0: Yeah, so far so good, T-Bird. How about you?
1: Oh, it's going great. You can imagine how much I am anticipating our chat today with my number one ally from Africa, Frank. I am, yeah. st- I am just thrilled to be talking to him. I'm thrilled that the listeners are going to get to know him outside the game. Yes. And, you know, this avid bow hunter and fisherman was not able to do any of that out there in Africa. So it'll be fun to talk to him about the frustrations he must have gone through, the frustrations of being on a tribe of people, some some of the younger kids that didn't really want to work. So it's going to be it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. Frank Garrison, Survivor Africa, is going to be our guest here today. And so this is going to be very fun to reunite you and Frank together, T-Bird. How much have you kept in contact with Frank over the years?
1: Well, we really haven't been in touch with with each other. I actually thought he kind of wanted to separate himself from Survivor. Yeah. So that when I reached out to him, you know, last week and and we caught up, it was like there was no time between us. It was like the last 19 years were just yesterday. We picked up that easily with each other. And then I, I really... I wasn't going to mention the podcast. I was kind of just wanted to catch up with him. I was thinking about him, but he was so open and I thought maybe I'll just kind of ask. And he was like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. So, yeah, yeah, I was I was shocked, but very, very happy.
0: Okay, All right. So that's coming up here today on the podcast. How's everything else going in your world, T-Bird, outside of talking with T-Bird?
1: Yep. Everything's going good. I'm waiting for the fall weather. Yes. So it's slowly coming in. It's getting a little bit cooler down here in Georgia. So I okay. love the fall. So, yeah. Plus Survivor's getting ready to start in a, in a couple of weeks. So. Coming up less life than a month good. away.
0: So life is good. All right. Uh, before we get to Frank, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor. And uh, you've heard us talking about it here on Talking with T-Bird Embark. Embark is the leader in dog DNA testing because it allows you a dog's owner to learn about your pup's breed ancestry health traits and even find your dog's relatives embark detects over 250 breeds and screens for 170 plus genetic health conditions so you can know how to take care of your dog and create a training and health plan t bird i i know that you are a big dog lover how how many dogs do you have
1: Let's see. Right now we have four dogs. We four. have two uh, sheep dogs that stay outside. Of course, they're sheep dogs. And then we've got two. One, uh, Lola is a Cavalier Spaniel. And then Molly is a mixed breed. that It was a rescue dog. So this uh, Embark is a great, great idea, especially for Molly, that's our rescue, to find out about her breed and any health issues that might ha- occur with the breed. So this is it's a wonderful thing. And you know, People's pets are their family. It's family. So I think it's wonderful.
0: Right. It's uh, not just a curiosity to know what breed of dog that you might have, but there's a uh, specific health concerns that you might have for your dog based on what breed it is. And rather than just like looking at it and trying to guess if it's a mixed breed or if you think it might be a purebred it's great to know with Embark exactly what's going on. Plus, you get the screen for 170-plus genetic health conditions that help your vet provide the best medical care for your dog. That We had one of Nicole's friends go ahead and do the Embark DNA test on her dog. Uh, she was very happy with the quick results that she got about the exact type of breed that she has. It's the most comprehensive kit on the market, looking at over 250 Different breeds. Embark is the only research grade dog DNA test kit on the market, and Embark analyzes 100 times more genetic information than any other product on the market. Their competitors can get down to only 12% of a breed mix detection, where Embark is accurate down to a 5% mixed breed component in a mixed breed dog ancestry. And whether your pet is a mixed breed or a purebred, Embark is the number one highest rated by the customer's best-in-class dog DNA test. And right now for our listeners, Embark has an exclusive summer offer you can't get anywhere else. Go to EmbarkVet.com. Use promo code RHAP to save 15% off your dog DNA test kit. Discover your dog more than fur deep. Visit EmbarkVet.com and use promo code RHAP to save. All right, T-Bird, are you ready to... Rob,
1: I want to... Yeah, let me just... I wanted to say this about this. Because, you know, nowadays, adoptions, adopting animals is so important. It's And so many people are doing it now. And this Embark with the dog DNA is a great thing to get you, like you said, quick results on these genetic health issues. And it's just another good reason... To adopt and rescue, you know, dogs and animals. So I love this idea about the dog DNA. Absolutely fantastic.
0: T-Bird, are you ready to bring in your buddy Frank?
1: Yes, indeed. I am ready.
0: All right, T-Bird, take it away.
1: Today's very special guest was born in Amsterdam, Holland, to a beautiful Dutch woman and an American soldier. He moved to the U.S. in 1960 to New York. It's fitting that this young man would also become a soldier and follow in his dad's footsteps, and he became a non-commissioned officer with the 24th Infantry Division G3 training in the United States Army. The motto he still lives by today, first to fight, shows his extreme loyalty to his country, his family, and his friends. He has worked many years as a telephone technician in Odessa, New York. He had the opportunity to spend his 43rd birthday on Survivor in Kenya, where the most not often seen sentimental man carved his wife's name, Polly, and his two daughters, Jocelyn Rose and Sage Hunter's names on his torch, which he said was, quote, for strength and so I can carry them with me when I leave. The uncontrollable tears I shed during my gameplay came on day 35 when Probst announced that Lex, after winning a reward challenge, was granted the chance to drive a year's worth of medical supplies to the local Wamba Hospital that treated AIDS patients. My brother Steve had passed from AIDS in 1990, and the emotions of the gesture and the importance of this highlighted epidemic not just in Africa, but worldwide. So it was extremely emotional for me. The other extremely emotional tears that I cried was on day thirty, watching my true alliance, my best friend since day one being voted out. This avid bow hunter and fisherman is definitely most comfortable in the great outdoors, which we saw as he danced with the elephants in Africa, and was, in my opinion, a perfect player to be cast in the Outback. Uh, not for being If not for being in the Shaba Reserve where no fishing or hunting was allowed, oh, the missed opportunities. That Survivor is the greatest social experiment definitely ever played shows with the pairing on date night of Frank and Brandon. We are so blessed to have this Survivor player who has been in total obscurity for the last 19 years and is making his first coming out, if you will, on RHAP, my true ally. My good friend, Frank Garrison.
2: Wow. Wow, Thank you, Teresa. Very kind of you.
1: Hey, darling.
0: Frank, nice to have you here on the podcast with us. Uh, How do you feel about uh, that uh, wonderful introduction from T-Bird? Nothing
2: but the best. She always holds a special place in my heart, and she always will.
0: Okay. T-Bird, that you're reunited with uh, your original uh, Samburu tribe mate, finally
1: yeah not just not just that, but my one my true alliance and only alliance for the whole 30 days. So you know when I was thinking of back back on it as I was preparing everything, I was just thinking of everything we went through together and right, Frank, it was difficult for us once we from the minute we hit the ground, it was difficult and it stayed difficult, didn't it, Frank?
2: Absolutely Teresa. as I've said before, we were a tribe definitely divided by youth and uh, maturity and uh, and inexperience to experience on there. And uh, that made things a little difficult at first because, as you know, yourself, uh, Dr. Carl and Linda and me, uh, we knew how to get things done and keep everybody safe and comfortable. And it was just a major communication breakdown between the younger ones and us. And that made a difficult start for it. Definitely for the uh, the elders, as I like to say, there was a common bond, enjoying the experience and looking out for each other and everyone pulling their weight.
0: So just to remind the listeners who uh, might not have all of the particulars uh, at the top of mind, you guys both started on the same tribe on Samburu. Then you guys went to the other tribe together on the swap and then were, uh, then of course merged together. So Frank, your entire time in the game was, uh, spent with T-Bird every single day.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. T-Bird was rock solid. There was no doubt in my mind. Uh, like I said, I've always never broke a handshake. I go by that. And, uh, whether it was Carl, Dr. Carl, Linda or T-Bird, uh, we were bonded and we were ready to go.
1: So, Frank, let me ask you this. When when we were dropped off from the transport trucks, and this is how I remember it, but sometimes we look at things and see things differently. The way I saw it, the minute we got out of that transport truck, the four, you know, Kim, Brandon, Silas, and Lindsay took off immediately. They were like bonded immediately, which actually left the four of us kind of back there like, whoa, what just happened? Did you see it that way?
2: <laughs> yes, I, I, I did a little bit in the beginning. You have to remember, though, I was already in game mode and I knew that uh, my wife Polly had predicted at the last minute when I got on that airplane in Syracuse, New York, she told me, she said, dear husband, I see lions, I see zebras, I see giraffes in your eyes would you please remember you're playing for a million dollars? And I said, yes, dear. And as I got through security, (laughs) there she (laughs) stood pregnant with our third daughter to come. And she said, never mind. I know how you are. You're going to be the first one voted off. (laughs) So I had decided 22 hours flying over there that I was going to keep my mouth shut and not say anything. So when I kind of disembarked from the vehicle after the Kenyan military guy said, get down, get down, get down, I stood there, and yes, I did observe them immediately running on there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had to get introductions on there. So I was just keeping my eyes open and my mouth shut because obviously I wanted to stay in the background and not just jump out being the leader.
1: Frank, I can't believe so. Polly said you were going to be the first one out. Your wife.
2: That She did, yes. She knows how I am. I get up 5.30 oh. every morning on a dime, and I hit the ground running. You know me, Mm -hmm. Teresa, make a home, make it wide. I got to get things done every day. So that has never changed. So she just assumed that I was going to get out there and start barking and go. (laughs)
1: You know, you and I talked about this this week when we were pulling this, our chat together, that we might have to, you were saying to me that I might have to remind you of things you can't remember. And I said, no, you're probably going to have to remind me of things. But we've got the survivor expert, Rob, to help us with anything we need cleared up. But I did read (laughs) something this week that they thought, whoever they are, that the first one that would be voted off would be, guess what the? Whatever the social world said. Do you know who they said?
2: I have no idea.
1: You. They had you as the first going off, which is kind of great to think that you made it to day 30. And do you know who they <laughs> had is actually going to the end?
2: Who'd they have going to the end?
1: You got it. I got it. You got to guess. I'm going to make you both guess. Rob, you guess. Frank, you guess.
0: Who was the favorite uh, coming into the season? Um, um, to win. To win? Silas?
1: N- nope. Frank? What I was not say
2: Silas myself. I have no idea though. No,
1: I don't this is not know so uh, It was it's, was it it's a she.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was you, Teresa.
3: Y'all guess
1: one. Nope, no. Y'all guess one more time. It was a she. And looking at her, you know, her resume, I can see absolutely why they would have picked her.
2: Hmm. Lindsay.
0: Nope. Rob,
1: who's your female? Uh, I'll pick? say.
0: Okay, how about uh Jesse Camacho?
1: Jesse Camacho, police yeah, officer. Yes, that's who they had as the as you know, whoever whatever I was reading, that's what they had. So but and Frank, I'm not so sure you wouldn't have made it a lot deeper. I mean, day thirty's not not too shabby. However, we weren't allowed to fish or hunt, and that was your expertise. That was where you would have shined bringing all the food into everybody, and you couldn't do that. How frustrating was that?
2: It was very frustrating. It was actually a shock. If you remember when Mark Burnett informed us that we were on the Shaba Preserve, there was no hunting and fishing. The camera had been on me. My jaw dropped. I had my white tail antlers around my neck. My game plan was to provide some protein, some meat, or some Mm. fish, by making a spear, my hunting skills, whether it was a warthog, a small dick, dick or a guinea fowl, anything of that nature. Yeah. And my first reaction was, I didn't come on a vegetarian survivor, but too late, there I was.
1: <laughs>
2: just to listen to people Frank, complain about their did he tell their us that? When did
1: Mark Burnett, because I don't remember, did he tell us that once the game started?
2: It was just before we were in a line and he was doing his little pace up and down. Covering some last minute details, if I recall. And that's when he made that announcement. I had no idea. I was just blown away. Was there anywhere
0: for you guys to fish out there?
2: Uh, No, not fishing, but there was plenty of places to hunt all around us. Mm -hmm. So that kind of set me back immediately. Yeah. Especially when I had to listen for the next 30 days about everyone's stomach grumbling how oh, they wanted an ice cream cone, a steak. You know, talking mm. about food, that doesn't help, you know. You get no. it out of your mind, it's not available, it's unavailable.
1: So, Frank, what made you even apply anyway? What, how did you find out about Africa and how did you decide that you wanted to apply?
2: Right. That's a very interesting story because I was up in the barn greasing the tractor and I'd come down to the house and Polly was sitting in her bathrobe eating a bowl of ice cream, watching the TV set, and Mm -hmm. Survivor Australia was on at the time. And she said, honey, why don't you come over here? Look at this new show. You'd be good for this. You're an outdoorsman, ex-military. I looked at it, and I said, Australia is simply beautiful. But after observing some of the people's interactions, I go, ah, those people aren't too nice. And I walked away to go back to the barn, and she said, I hear there's rumor the next one might be in Africa. I immediately stopped and turned back to her. I said, you heard that? She said, yeah, I was on the internet somewhere. I paused for about a thousandth of a second and I turned to her. And I said, well, then would you mind if I apply to go on that show? And she looked up at me and rolled her eyes and said, yeah, right. Go ahead. Sure. No problem. <laughs> Thinking it was just a humor, a joke. Yeah. Then I made the video and I sent it in.
1: What did you do on your video, Frank?
2: Uh, my video, I grabbed one of my co-workers there at Verizon. We grabbed a bucket truck. I grabbed one of my daughter's uh, stuffed lions. I grabbed a boom box for some African drum music and a camera. I had him park near a base of a pole out in a tile pasture. I said, I'm going to put my hooks on, climb to the top of the pole. You're going to turn the music on. Do not start the generator. I want you to raise the bucket. Follow me up the pole once I'm set. Mike's a big burly guy, he said, I want you to let out a big roar, and I want you to throw the lion on me, the stuffed lion. He threw it on me. I stabbed it with a screwdriver. I threw it to the ground. I looked right into the camera, and I basically said, hi, I'm Frank Garrison, and here in the Southern Tier of New York, my job's an adventure every day, whether it's a lion attack, rattlesnakes, or rate customers. I hear you're putting an adventure together and you need me, give me a call. It lasted for about a minute and 26 seconds. Yeah.
1: Wow. So you never had seen the show. So Polly's the one that told you about Australia. You had never seen the first or second survivor, right?
2: That's correct. But I will fast forward to the conclusion of that statement because it happened during the game when uh, just, I think it was just after the game on that, Mark Burnett uh, had come up to me. And he had said uh, about my experience, how was it in Africa? Because he knew it was a little boy's dream. That's the only reason I applied. Was because ever since I was little, I always playing with figurines and reading the National Geographics. I always wanted to go to Africa. So Mark asked me, he goes, "How was it? How is it? You know, out here?" And I said, "Not till you hear and you smell it and you taste it and you touch it. You really." feel it on there and he goes uh i know you didn't come here for the million dollars i said no sir i came here on your free plane ticket
0: mm. did you watch any of the previous shows before that I, I once you were in the mix for casting did you so you didn't end uh, up going no, back and watching any the episodes
2: whatsoever no yeah. i was too busy realizing as the interview process went and it was narrowing down and My wife was staring at me in disbelief as each as the months went by and it was getting closer to closer. Too busy assembling a uh, little security detail around her because she was pregnant, like I said, for my third daughter, Tassia,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, just getting everything buttoned up and so that I could go away for two months.
0: Yeah,
1: so Frank, tell your casting story because I love this. Because casting how they mess with different people. You know, we talked to Kelly G of oh, what they we had were her doing and- when she was up at CBS. Tell your story of what they were doing to you when you were in casting, Frank.
2: All right. You're talking about when I was out in Santa Monica for the nine days or the first yes. interview in Pittsburgh. Yes. In Santa Monica.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. So and if you I have a good
0: Pittsburgh if- story, too, you could tell that as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Pittsburgh was just short and sweet, five-hour drive down to a TV station walk in, there were probably 12 people there at a table, you know, they just wanted to do an interview process, get to know you, I'm just in my workbooks, jeans, t-shirt, and mm-hmm. uh answered a few questions on current events, some other information, and then uh, I think one young lady at that table, I can't remember her name, said, uh, I'm getting the feeling you're not a, uh she say, very happy person or something, and I told her, I wake up every morning in the shower (laughs) singing. And then someone else at the table said, well, then sing now. So I stood right up and just sang a James Taylor song to him. I asked a few more questions. They said, we're done. I said, thank you very much. And I drove home. I don't ask any questions. I'm just an old military sergeant, do what I'm supposed to do. And so that was it. And I was surprised when I got the call. They said, come to Santa Monica. You're going to be sequestered in a hotel for nine days. So I arrived isolated me in a room but as i later told them accommodations were great i got my steak i got my cold beers met all the shrinks took all their tests uh, did everything else sat by myself eating dinner and then as it got towards the end of the week then there were some special trips i remember going up uh seeing a medical doctor late in the evening who had a bunch of syringes and vials I was carrying a beer There were two girls escorting me he said, you got to come up with us to the suite. He stuck me in the arm, you know, I think five times on one side, two or three on the other, I never asked a question. He goes, uh, you didn't bring me a beer. I said, no, and I'm not paying for this medical visit this late in the evening. <laughs> he just let me go back to my room. And finally one of the young ladies I can't remember said, Frank, you're not going to believe this. We're going to honor you with a little, uh, a little getaway, if you want to get out of a hotel for a few hours. So I said, "Which way's the ocean?" They pointed me. Walked down to the ocean, put my toes in the Pacific. Had never done that. Tried to exchange communications with a uh, Asian gentleman that was surf fishing. And on my way back, stopped at a flower shop, got a dozen orchids. Brought him back to the hotel. Told the girl I put a card on there. I said, "Freedom." So give it to this young lady, whoever granted me this little getaway. Went back to my room. Then next thing I know, uh, two girls again escorted me down into the cook cook area in the kitchen. It was like a little Mission Impossible. Slid the door open, threw me in a van out on a Santa Monica freeway. Took me to CBS Corporation. Drove in the basement. Set me up to the top floor. Said go through some double doors. There were probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people in there in a horseshoe shape. Les Movies and Mark Burnett were on a couch. I sat in a chair in the afternoon and then they started interrogating me there for about 30 minutes. And there was one gentleman that stood out because he said, uh, you don't look like you're, uh," it was along those lines of happy again or a little agitated. And I very respectfully explained to him, I said, sir, I've been locked up in that hotel room for eight days. I said, if you've ever been to a zoo and see how a lion paces back and forth in front of his cage, he's not happy there. I said, I'm not happy there. But first of all, let me point out whoever made the accommodations are second to none. Thank you. And then he goes, well, what makes you think you can last in Africa? And that's when I got out of my chair and I walked towards him to the surprise of everyone sitting there. And I said, are you a gambling man, sir? He goes, yes, I am. I said, well, I'd probably put your money on me. Because I'm going to tell you a little secret. When I came out of my mother's womb on an end of an umbilical cord, I was kicking and fighting for my first breath in life. I said, I live my life every day like that. And that's the way I plan on leaving this goddamn world. And that's when Les Moonby started clapping. (laughs) And then they were done with me and sent me back to the hotel. And then a young lady came down with those two escorts. And she said, here's your plane ticket back to Syracuse. I said, thank you. I shut the door. She pushed it open again. She says, Frank, I have to tell you, you're one of 20 people selected for Kenya East Africa. I said, well, forgive me, but the game is 16 contestants. You must have four alternates. She said, that's correct. And I told her, well, then call me when you need me. I shut the door again. She pushed it open again. She goes, I don't get you. I got people crying, screaming, jumping up and down and everything. And you're just telling me to call you. I said, yeah, it's that simple. So I gave her a hug. She shut the door and I flew out of California back home.
1: And that's you, Frank. That's you. Just like that. I'd like to say kind of unemotional, (laughs) but you're just like steady and it is what it is. and, And that's exactly right. Hey, let me ask you, did you play in the game? Did it change you? Did it? Did you learn anything about yourself or your interaction with other people from playing these 30 days uh, in Africa?
2: Well, you know, you look back now, 19 years later, our culture has gotten softer, more flexible. I don't know. Just, you know, I think back, it's probably due to my military training. You got to understand the reason, you know, personally, when things started out, when nobody could read the map and the compass and told me to lead suddenly I found myself in that leadership position and then having Mm -hmm. to wait for people, you know, and come back and forth. My whole purpose was to get everyone safely to the flag, get the BOMA set up, get our fire started so everyone could be comfortable. Well, of course, it didn't work like that. Everyone's talking about agents and commercials and what they're going to do afterwards. Nobody's looking for puff battlers, red-spitting cobras a rogue young male lion coming out of the bush. So I was in that train of thought to get us there, secure the Boma, get everyone comfort. And then everybody could do hugs and kisses and talk about everything. So when I look back on it now, maybe I was a little too pushy on that. I understand. Because Dr. Carl came up to me, Teresa, I don't know if you know that, on that initial walk to the Boma, and after their second break of sitting down, said, Uh, they're already talking about voting you out, Frank. I said Go ahead. Let them vote me out. I'm already in Africa. I'm happy.
1: (laughs) No, I did not know that, actually. Yeah. Sure didn't.
0: Do you guys think uh, it's interesting that the people that you played with where there was this uh, big age divide now... They are about the ages that you guys played when it was uh, the actual filming of Survivor Africa. And and have you noticed any changes in uh, any of those people that you played with?
2: Um, I have not uh, really been in touch other than Big Tom. I've been down to his farm. Uh, Lex Mm -hmm. and I still talk. Uh, I talk with Ethan, the winner. But I haven't yeah. really been in touch with the other ones. I do hear through third party reports that gatherings for charity events or something like Silas came up recently and he goes, Oh, I should have listened to Frank and Doc. You know, oh, I you got to remember Silas, the one who went on record who said, They might as well just write me the check. You know, do you remember mm-hmm. that, Teresa?
1: yeah oh god so frank frank Frank, you just remind me of something so funny i think this is funny so you know the way they were treating us was not very good okay and then once you know once carl was voted out or it may have been before this when they were targeting us it was so important for silas now silas his first name is actually Chip. Do you remember right. this, Frank?
2: <laughs> I do. I do. So, I called him. He, you remember when I called is Chip. him Chip?
1: <laughs> okay. So do you remember what he told us before we went to tribal council? Rob, you're going to think this is funny because it really is. Do you remember what he said, Frank?
2: Um, I can't remember. Refresh my memory.
1: Okay. So Silas said, don't call me Chip. When we were out there, don't call me Chip. Call me oh, Silas. Oh yes, I do
2: recall, right? And because thought, I made sure I better? wrote Chip on when I voted.
1: We, we all did. We wrote. Yeah, we all did. Right. We all yeah, did. That's he right. made a point yeah. to say, you know. <laughs> yeah. I guess he liked. Yeah. I guess he liked that stage name to be Silas because you know Silas sounds like a big, you know, sure, Greek sure. god. You know, it just sounded so good. Yeah. So he made a point, and if he hadn't have made a point. None of us would have thought anything different than to write Silas, oh, no. but he said, yeah, "Just the, the, you guys do not call me Chip out here, please." So when we voted, we all wrote Chip on our thing. I thought that was was
2: kind of funny. <laughs> oh, it was, <laughs> yeah. Because when Silas, you know, he was a young man, full of testosterone, and the other three had cuddled under his arms basically, and he thought, "Well, I'm going to lead this tribe on there." And I had to mm-hmm. remind him that's not how it's going to work. And he decided to lend an ear to those three young ones over there and they were holding their ground. And I told Teresa, she didn't realize it that I had mentioned to Dr. Carl. I said, I'm about ready to grab a few coals and I'm going to walk out of this boma, and I'm going to start my own tribe on the other side of that dry Creek bed.
3: <laughs>
2: Dr. Carl lasted his day. He said, you should have did it. Cause I was, I had just had enough of those young kids sleeping in every day not pulling their weight, mm-hmm. you know, they knew that. I told them that. There yeah. wasn't anything behind the scenes. It was and, straight up forward, you know.
1: And 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 Rob, that's why for Frank and I, it was so it got to be so psychologically and emotionally difficult the way we were being. I mean, it's one thing if you're in the minority and you're just kind of waiting for things, you know, for your number to come up, but we were just treated so poorly that when they came to do, well, what we now know is the tribe swap when it said pull three people. Well, Silas and Lindsay and Kim and Brandon were all sleeping. And then so Frank and I said right away, we're going. We got to get out of here. So remember, Frank, you and I said we're going. Yep. And then when Absolutely. we went to the other four that were sleeping, I guess Silas was the because o- you know what Silas, he's the only other one that jumped. And we were, I was glad to take Silas with us, weren't you?
2: Yeah, it didn't matter to me at that time, you know, I had had enough. You remember when this all started, when they started with Dr. Carl and then Linda, I said, you know, I'll take care of us. We'll be, you know, basically comfortable, but I'm done with them. It's over with, you know, yeah. and that's what led to, you know, I told Carl when he got voted out, I said, trust me, I'm going to make them pay. They're going. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what led to me throwing that one challenge, just to make sure Silas
0: was gone. Okay, well, I want to I want to get to that Uh, just uh, before we uh, go to the tribe swap, uh, just back to that original group. I feel like that I don't know a lot about Linda. What what was she like to live with?
2: Linda was a, a, a very kind woman, a very spiritual woman. I believe she worked in administration at Harvard. This was not Linda's first trip to Africa. She had volunteered. Uh, to help Mm. out on the uh, medical nurses for young girls or something. She had been to Africa before. I couldn't remember exactly where she was. But Linda was very spunky, outgoing, um, yoga she was into. Uh, She really uh, loved Africa and the spirit of it and the mother of it all coming from there. And she was a great worker, always pull her weight, very respectful to everyone. In fact, uh I don't know if Teresa knows this, but at one time on camera by myself the there was a couple of times the cameraman dropped the camera laughing because I looked in the lens and asked a question, and I'm sure it got edited because mm-hmm. there was at one time when Carl went out and I had just about mentally reached the peak, I had asked him, I said, "Is it all right since I can't hunt? Can I kill one of them and cut the back straps out of them." <laughs> And that made him drop the camera and laugh.
3: <laughs>
2: so that's about where I was mentally. Like- and I felt bad for Teresa and Linda and for Dr. Carl. Other than his damn memory, I covered some information I knew was going to go to a tie. And and they were probably going to go on, remember those questions, Teresa, on Africa and that, that Carl missed a yep. tick question on. So, yeah, yeah Carl was the first yep. to go. And it was just a matter of time. So
0: yeah what about uh you guys did that challenge where you had to uh drink the all of the blood i, I remember watching that uh w- uh-huh. way, way back when frank w- was that an issue for you at all
2: no no you saw it It jumped right was up easy. there just worn tomato juice you
0: know, and
2: yeah. i had goat's milk mixed in there. And when i got done where lex filled his glass i put it on my two fingers and with <laughs> the blood under my eyes, and said, so "Let's go, team."
0: Linda was a oh, uh, yes. trooper on that one. Yeah, she was. What about you, T Bird?
1: I I don't really remember what it tastes like. It did look like definitely like tomato juice. I just remember thinking, <laughs> "Don't think about what it is; just do it because you have to. We, mm-hmm. we got to win this." Yeah, yeah. But I was I was going to say, you ask about Linda Spencer. Wow, what an amazing amazing woman! And also, she yes. had overcome cancer, I believe. Frank, is that right?
2: I mm-hmm. mean. I believe so, Yeah, later on that I had learned that.
1: Just an amazing woman. And I'll tell you what happened with the four of us. I think it was just a matter of who could tolerate, you know, Silas, Lindsay, Kim, and Brandon the longest. Because Linda was doing really good until she, all of a sudden, like you said, Frank, she'd had enough. And when she had enough is when she did, I think, the Mother Africa speech, you remember, remember that She
2: drink? wanted to hug, remember, she wanted to hug Lindsay. Said, yes, getting, right. She felt Lindsay was so angry. Yeah, Lindsay, didn't your Lindsay mother ever to, hug you? Right. Yeah. 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 And she didn't want no part of it. You know, I felt bad for Linda.
1: Yeah, the way Linda did that, though, you could tell, if you hear it back, it's like, oh, well, that sounds very sweet and caring and motherly. But the way she did it, you could tell she was so frustrated and it was done out of, I'm sure she would have meant it in normal in a normal situation, but she was so frustrated. And after that happened, actually, Frank, I was supposed to be voted out until she did that. And once she did that, that's when they said, we've got to get her out. So that actually saved me and got you and I out of there. Right. So right. it didn't it hurt her, but it it mm. definitely helped me.
2: No, I have nothing but kind words for Linda. Linda would get up early early. Uh, I believe like one particular morning, Linda got up early uh, just as the sun was just coming up and I was sitting at the fire. That's when I was carving my daughter's names. The reason was because I had kept the calendar in my head and it was my daughter's birthday, Sage Hunter that day. Sage and I shared the same birthday. It was mine. I didn't care. It was Sage Hunter's and I had carved it in there. And uh, Linda asked me and and gave me a big hug. And and then I explained that my sword and shield is always for women and children will always be like that. And so we had a good, quiet moment that morning together before everyone else got up. So, yeah, Linda was a good woman.
0: Now, there were four... Of the older people in the tribe and for of the younger people in, in the tribe, and you guys were just at this uh, stalemate, but was there anybody from the younger group that you thought might be somebody that you could get over to your side to avoid going to a tie when you ultimately went to the tribal council?
2: Uh, for me personally, T-Bird might have a different answer. I thought little Kim might be that individual. She didn't Mm -hmm. seem to be carrying any chip on her shoulder as Lindsay and Brandon, you know, or Silas. And I thought little Kim, I think little Kim being athletic and everything, she was probably just looking at it all in this game of Survivor. Might have to stay with the young people. You know, I never asked her personally, but I think she, she would have been the candidate, I think, to approach at that time. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Kim Powers. But no, there was no get, there was no breaking them up at all. They were. I, but I think the only one that if if I had if we had had a little bit more time. No, I don't think there was breaking any of them apart. But Kim P, Kim P, Kim Powers would have been the, the one out of the three, because actually, Frank, I had talked to Silas. I was trying to get through to Silas because he was he was kind of what held those other three together because he was so strong. So you can see how they kind of latched onto him. So I pulled him aside and I said, Silas, remember the last season in Australia? I said, remember Tina and Colby? We could be that Tina and Colby. Nobody's going to suspect us. And that was just me trying to figure a way to get him to think another Mm -hmm. way. And he acted like he might think about it, but he had, he was riding high on being the leader, and he couldn't see. I don't think he could see an end of the gameplay. So right. he, you can see where that led to. Well, it it t- Silas,
2: out. just another thing I don't know if you know, Silas had approached me on one of my gatherings or walkabouts when I was leaving to go out. He wanted to come out and talk with me. I said, we can come talk out here away from all you guys. And he said, listen, they had already decided they wanted Dr. Carl out. Is the first one of Samburu, and then he said, but Frank, we want you to join us. And I simply looked at him right in the face, and I said, that is not going to happen. Oh, why not? And then he went on with a salesman's speech and everything else, and I said, that is not going to happen. He just told him point blank. He didn't get it. So. Well,
1: first... Yeah, but Frank, that you say that wasn't going to happen, but so yes, what you're saying is absolutely correct. They had already decided to get rid of, well, Linda when Linda did, you know, what she had done, but Dr. B, of right. course, was the first one. But then they were going to, like I said, get rid of me because they thought we can't take T Bird over there. But we need to keep Frank with us because we can he'll, he'll eventually rally around us if we can get him away from the other three. So that's <laughs> exactly right. So they were taking you They're They wanted you. Yeah. You were the chosen yeah,
2: one. It wasn't, wasn't going to happen. You didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> you don't you don't disrespect people in their faces like that. that. That crossed the line. You know, I'm from the Knights of the, the Round Table. You know, chivalry still mm-hmm. exists. You treat people the way you want to be respected. And when they disrespected the others, that, that drew the line for me. They weren't going to break, and I wasn't going to break, and I was going to make sure I did everything to make sure they were out of the game.
1: But, Frank, didn't it all in your mind say, you know what, I may have to, quote, play the game. I may have to tell them, I love your honesty. I love your directness. <laughs> um, But at some point, didn't you say, in order for me to get to the end of this game, I may have to say a few things that I don't really believe. But would you have not done that, especially like telling Silas what he wanted to hear?
2: Teresa, what did I say in this podcast? I didn't come there for the million dollars. I came there to see Africa, a little boy's dream. (laughs) At that point, all I knew is it was in a protective mode to get you, Linda, you know, Dr. Carl, you know. Away from that, I should have broke the drive up is what I should have did. That would have really threw them for a loop. But no, I wasn't going to break. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to sell out. No. I knew I had my daughters watching. My wife, they know me. I wasn't, you know, my wife, of course, gave me all kinds of advice, scheming advice and everything. I just smiled mm-hmm. at her, you know. I said, I wasn't going to do that. I was, They got who they got on the show. They knew me, you know. Mm-hmm. So if they picked me, that's what I was going to be, you know.
0: Frank, when you say you should have broken up the tribe, what do you mean by that?
2: I mean, I had had enough of the kids being lazy, sleeping in every morning and not contributing. And as I told Dr. Carl, I'm ready to grab a piece of that fire. I'm going to go build a boma 50 yards away. Go build your (laughs) own
0: camp. And I said,
2: you're welcome to join me because I didn't know what Teresa or what Linda or what Carl's, you know, what they wanted to do. I said, I'm going to go isolate myself and I'm going over there. So. You know, I had told you wanted to vote (laughs) me out around the fire, vote me out. I didn't give a damn. Yeah. But but I knew in the back of my mind, I knew they needed me. They needed me for the security, for the work ethic. They needed me for the challenges, you know, so I could see they were borderline, you know, still trying to get at me, but they weren't going to get at me. And now you were going to be talking about this big switch. And when it happened, and even though viewers were shocked, mouths were dropped, Silas couldn't believe it. I think even Teresa surprised. If you look at the camera, all I did was do a little grin. That's all I did. I just smiled. Yeah, You know?
0: You guys That's were thrilled day. when they changed it up, right?
2: No, it was no problem with me. I was yes. ready to go. Let's go.
0: Yeah. But, T-Bird, did you guys see this coming at all? Or this was a, a total blindside in terms of that it happened?
1: For me, it was a total blindside. But, you know of course now when looking back they they needed to do they production needed to do something because it was it was just bam bam i mean it was predictable what was going to happen mm-hmm. so no it was fantastic and frank i knew once it happened like i said i was going to be the next one going off so when it happened i'm like oh this is just sweet <laughs> so no it was fantastic
0: yeah so let me just remind the listeners of what that was like. So so you and uh as so a T T bird Frank and, uh, Silas and Silas ended up right? yes swapped over to the other tribe Baron and then you ended up there with it was I believe Ethan Clarence and Kim Johnson is that right? Correct. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And you guys were responsible for the first ever challenge throw that i know of in the history of the show t-bird
1: yes and you know what's funny too and frank (laughs) tell me your opinion on this and rob as well a lot of people will say you should never ever no matter what throw a challenge i i beg to differ in our case what do you think frank
2: no you knew when i approached uh, i had a game plan when we walked across that salt flat and Ethan come right out and he was bewildered, where was Lex and big Tom and Kelly? And I stuck my mm-hmm. hand out and said, Ethan, good afternoon. I'm Frank. He shook my hand. <laughs> Ethan and yeah. I had a bond from that moment forward through worth ethics and doing everything. And then they started their little interrogation, wondering who had mm-hmm. votes against them, who, everything. And I told Ethan straight out, I'm over here to do one thing. Silas is going to be gone first. He let it sink. Mm -hmm. I think he went back to the rest of them and talked about it. And then Ethan came up with a different plan. I can't remember what he suggested. And I said, no, Ethan, I'm voting Silas. In fact, Ethan, I'm going to throw the challenge. And he just looked at me and his eyebrows raised up. Mm -hmm. And I said, Silas is going immediately. And I went and told T-Bird that.
1: And that's and also Ethan was of course a very competitive person. So that, I think that was a little bit d- oh, sure. difficult. And I I've read through the years that it was Ethan's idea to throw the challenge. That is not accurate at all. Um again as far as Ethan well, goes, he's Victor very competitive.
0: Well, the spoils, t that, that uh every good idea was the winner's idea in Survivor.
2: Well, yeah. No, I don't <laughs> that, care. I I'm telling you the facts how they happen, you know, and it's just Yeah. That's it. Ethan had a different plan. I just told him I'm here to get Silas out. I'm mm-hmm. voting his name down. We we, we and were I'm sure throw and then we, the
1: t- Yep, and we told Ethan and Mama Kim. We said, "Listen, let let us tell you what's going to happen right now. Once it merge, the merge comes, and those three get back: Kim, Brandon, and Lindsay with Silas. We've all got big problems. We got to get him out now because he's a power player. He's strong, and they went with it. I mean, they were good with it, weren't they, Frank?
2: And I'll finalize it. Ethan came up to me before the challenge and said, okay, we'll do it your way. Yeah. So it was a done deal. And if you watch the challenge, I'm walking around like I'm lost. (sighs) I'm walking out to (laughs) pick a puzzle piece out. I'm throwing it down. I'm not doing any. Everyone was, when I got home, and said, what the hell were you doing during that challenge? And I explained it to him. Said I wasn't doing a damn thing. I wanted to make sure we lost it.
0: T-Bird, when did Silas pick up on what was going on?
1: I don't think he ever did.
0: <laughs> he no, didn't, pick, he watch, didn't know we.
1: He didn't you know watch. we were throwing the challenge. <laughs> he didn't know. And like you said, it was hard because I wonder watch it back. And and Frank, I have never watched the season back. I never watched it back. Did you ever watch it on DVD to sit to watch it?
2: No. Someone was explaining it to me though that they watched Silas during that challenge, and he was running around with his head cut off, desperately trying to get shouting out orders. <laughs> throwing pieces, trying to get that puzzle together. It was live and real for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever observed me just and
1: walking I wonder, around. Yeah. I wonder now if we were to go back and watch it, Frank. Of course, we know we know now what we were doing, but I wonder if the viewers watching it could say, what are they doing? They're like not, I mean, I wonder <laughs> if it's that was that obvious because since you and I, neither one have watched it back.
2: Yeah. It was quite obvious to me, so.
1: Hey, so you'll know this, my survivor expert, Rob, at the tribal council, did Silas know it, that he was going? I don't even remember. I just knew we all knew.
0: I mean, surprised yeah, by it? I, I don't uh, remember uh, exactly that. I'm looking at on the uh, survivor wiki and uh, Silas did uh, get one more vote uh, in on Frank. Yep.
1: <laughs> oh, that's who Silas voted for.
0: Yes. Was Frank, okay,
1: I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Hey, and that's funny because since you just said that, Frank, you're the only person to have voted against a particular person as well. Do you know who that was? No, who? Mama Kim, Kim Johnson. I read that you were the only person to vote against Kim Johnson.
2: I think I did at one time because I had overheard a conversation at a fire between Kim and Ethan, where Ethan told her, stick close to me, we're from New York. You know, Mm -hmm. I could see there was a little inner bonding right there. Mm -hmm. And I had just felt that she didn't really do anything to deserve it. So I had voted for her. I think that's one.
1: Frank's from New York. You should have been in on that duo, the trio. Yeah. I can see why you didn't like that too much.
2: T-Bird, that's downstate. That's a different part
0: of New York. (laughs) Different. Um,
1: Oh, oh, okay.
0: Are are, are you still in Odessa?
2: Absolutely. Still pounding away, retired from Verizon. Now I'm hanging off poles for a company called Empire Access. That's because I now have seven daughters, four biological, and three foster daughters. Oh, wow. And a wife. So I have eight women in my house. Wow.
1: And you know what? Isn't that interesting, Rob? Because, you know, you see that the gruff, the X, the outer exterior of Frank, but he's got a heart of absolute gold. And this proves it right here that he's got that he lives with all these women and that they've adopted these these little girls. It's just it it tells you all about Frank and Paul. I
0: had no idea about the uh, foster daughters.
2: Yep, that was a new addition from my wife. She made a phone call to me at work and explained a difficult situation on the oldest one, Nakia. And she says, I'm going to bring her home up on the hill. I live kind of isolated up on 118 acres with no neighbors, a dead end road. And I said, Mm -hmm. absolutely, bring her up. And then she called me a week later and she says that she has two siblings, age 13 and five. I said, absolutely, bring them up. They need to have a good chance in life to start a life, and we can provide yeah. them that food, shelter, and security, and most important, love, so they can get a good start in life.
1: Frank, that's my Frank right there, everybody yeah. that didn't know Frank like I know Frank. Yeah. But right people, there. but
2: Remember, though, Frank. people still have to understand the other side of me. You have to understand what it's like with eight women in a household
0: what's it like that's
2: that's a try there are days that i come home and slide my paycheck <laughs> yes, under the door and i go up to the <laughs> barn where i have taken one third of my barn and built it into i believe the terminology today is a man cave yeah I, pr- okay. I profess it as i am president of the he-man womanators <laughs> club that's a little quote from the little <laughs> Rascals from
0: spanky yeah Yes. And
2: there's a sign over the door that says that. But, of course, all my girls come into the club because they're all hunters.
0: Yeah. And so, what goes on in the man cave? Uh,
2: everything. We provide good, lean venison for our family to eat. Uh, mm-hmm. They learn about gun safety, the hunting and security. They learn about life, the basics, the patriotism, mm-hmm. the soldiers. Yeah. A little bit of everything, and I always tell them is I teach them the circle of life in there. Teresa will get a kick out of it. There's a little bulletin board that has a clock on it from 6 a.m. Clockwise going around to 5.59 a.m. And I said, life is real simple, ladies, when I have them in there. I said, I provide you food, shelter, and security until you graduate high school at about 10 o'clock. Then you go to college at about noon. You get your college degree. I said, you buy your first car, your first apartment, you have your first job. And I said, at about 1,400 hours, 2 o'clock, you can then start dating because you're not going to be dependent (laughs) on any man in your lifetime. And I said, you're always welcome to come back here. This is your home.
0: Yeah.
1: Frank, your seven daughters are so blessed to be with you and Polly. So blessed. Now, I need to hear about this. Do y'all have movie night? At the Garrison
2: Household in the Man Cave? Uh, uh, usually it's watching the US women's soccer team or watching National Geographics. And occasionally, yes, there's some of those girly movies, those tear jerkers on that they want me to sit with them and watch. You know, and I do. The one of the fascinating things was I just celebrated my sixty first birthday. They gave me a photo album that was actually a scrap album. And it was full of nothing but pages of frankism statements that I've made to them over the years. Mm-hmm. All my quotes, my one liners in there. And that tells <laughs> me that I've made a lasting impression on them. And hopefully they'll yeah. file my guidelines when I'm dead and gone. Yeah. So and they ask me about Survivor and I tell them the stories, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, Teresa.
1: Well, I was going to say, Frank, do you have a Frankism for your movie night with Brandon in Africa? Because we have to hear about that.
2: (laughs) Well, you know how that challenge went when we all drew numbers, Teresa. Do you remember everyone pulling numbers out of a hat and Brandon pulled a number and said, I got four and everyone pulled and it was boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. And I pulled out of it and I saw the number four and Brandon looked at me and I said, Brandon, I have number four. And Big Tom went belly down on the ground laughing and kicking. Remember that? He said, I've got to see this. I have got to see this, he said. And I went up to Brandon right before that challenge started, and I said, Brandon, we may come from two different worlds. We live two different lifestyles. But we're Americans. We're a team, and we're going to win this. And I'll be damned if we didn't win it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you guys won, and you went to the drive-in movie theater to go watch Out of Africa. And Out of you Africa, won. yes. A great yes. movie.
2: And they saw us sitting side by side and happy and everything. And <laughs> that was true. Yeah. Brandon and I got along. It was a great movie. I Candy, popcorn.
0: Everyone. Yeah. You, you had put it all. I had popcorn. Had can- we had everything. candy, popcorn. Yeah. Nice. Right. And
2: most people don't know this, but I came to Brandon when the series was over. And I spoke of that highlight. And I said, Brandon, I want to thank you very much for that event. And he just looked at me puzzled like I was coming in at some angle on him. And I said, you don't understand. That's a learning lesson for my daughters to see that even though two people can be totally different, they can come together and overcome the task at hand it was a perfect learning lesson for my daughters to know.
0: Did you guys ever have any sort of uh, thawing in the relationship after the show? I know you guys had uh, that nice moment on the reward that we're talking about. But after the show was over, did you guys have uh, any sort of relationship after that?
2: Um, not really. Brandon and I went on Hollywood Squares together. Of course, Whoopi put us in a square together. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I had seen him at a number of charity events, but I was always respectful. and had No problems. In fact, we went, yeah. where did we go, Teresa? In Dallas, Texas. We went to that gay club.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was a yeah. promotion where you're doing for Smirnoff. I believe that Brandon pulled that together.
2: Yeah. Right, yeah. And I had no problem. If problems. I can remember correctly. Yeah, I went into his environment and yeah, mingled yeah, with yeah. everyone. I think they were all waiting for a reaction from me yeah. and they didn't get one.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Hey, so Frank also want to talk about our, after we merged our very first challenge, um, where we had to stand there and hold the water over our head. And this has got really, really what I want to say. I mean, of course we, we all want to win a challenge just because unless we're throwing it to get Silas out, we <laughs> all want to win the challenge. So that was our very first challenge after the merge and it ended up being, um, Clarence. And I were the last two standing. And, of course, Frank knows this, but so the listeners know, I, I had to win it. I had to win it. I had to win it because we, I already knew, and Frank, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they were going to vote Frank out. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, at the merge. So
1: at the at the merge, so that's why we needed Clarence, because, you know, Clarence had already had a situation with his tribe didn't trust him from the right. Beans episode, so yes. I knew that I had to win it to try to save Frank. So, Frank, did you know that you were in jeopardy of going that no, night?
2: Not, not whatsoever, no. Wasn't worried about it, no.
1: You weren't? Okay, well, I guess I was a little worried about it, but it worked out. oh <laughs> well, good. Went I'm glad you Beautifully.
0: <laughs> Thank yeah. you for having my back, Teresa. Yeah, always. So, why T-Bird? How did you winning the immunity save them from voting out Frank?
1: Because they thought Clarence was going to win. They would. Yeah. They would have. They thought Clarence for oh, sure was going to Cla- win. Oh, but-
0: so if you didn't beat Clarence, then that, that's what would, what, what would have happened, and then the next target right. was going to be Frank. Got it. Got yes. it. Yes.
1: Because Clarence was because Clarence was, of course, very strong. And like I said, there was already mis you know, trust issues with him, with his tribe. And I guess they felt like maybe he would have moved over to the other side, which he probably would have. He probably would have. So that's mm. how that worked. Hey, hey, Frank, have you have you gone to any brunch since the show? Because remember, you were trying to figure no, out on no, the show no, what brunch was, was or so they thought.
2: Yeah, there was another humorous moment in my little conversation with Mama Kim there when she said that she has brunch. And I had no idea what brunch is because when you wake up at 5.30, usually breakfast is at 6 a.m. and then lunch comes at 12. (laughs) So I had no idea that people of leisure can slowly get around and enjoy brunch at around 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was humorous to everyone, but it was
0: fine. I had no problem with
2: it. I learned something.
0: No brunch in the man cave?
2: No brunch in the man cave. That means you're sleeping and <laughs> wasting your life. Wake up, hit the ground running. <laughs> you don't want to burn daylight.
0: Right, right. Now, you guys were part of a, a plan that came on the the next vote after Clarence went home where T-Bert infamously put a vote on Lex. Uh, she promised that Clarence wasn't uh, she wasn't, wouldn't vote for Clarence. She put a vote on Lex. And that started off this whole chain reaction, which resulted in you guys putting your votes on Lex and almost having enough votes to uh, knock Lex out of the game. Frank, did you feel like that that was going to work the uh, vote out Lex plan at the final nine?
2: Oh, it was a possibility. Um, I was just, the reason I had voted for Lex after that, uh, first initial, uh, receiver, Lex got a vote. He took it so mm-hmm. personal that how dare somebody put my name on it. I think mm-hmm. he almost got a little bit of Silas character in him a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And it caught me off guard because I saw his tattoos of his children. I knew he was a family man, even though he was west coast, I was east coast. I thought we had a lot in common. But then he took that too personal, and then he decided to pronounce it to everyone, too. And I said, mm-hmm. well, if you feel that strongly about it, maybe I should give you another vote then and see how you feel. So,
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Now, as I can tell you right now, my memory is a little sketchy on some things, but this is my mind is not sketchy at all one bit on this. So, Frank, you and I were walking to tribal council. Well, we were all walking to Tribal Council and you and I, of course, we were in a line and you said, T-Bird, who are you voting for? I did not tell you I was voting for right. Lex. I didn't tell you because right. I knew we couldn't get Lex out, the two of us. And I thought, if I tell you I'm voting for Lex, you're such an honest person, you're not going to be able to keep that to yourself. So remember, I told you, just go with the plan, just whatever they're saying, Just go with that. So go with Clarence, because there's nothing we can do at this time to get Lex out. So Mm -hmm. that's that's how that happened. You remember?
2: Yeah. Well, I saw the results. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. So I didn't tell anybody, Rob, I was voting for Lex. I knew it. I knew he needed votes against him and I didn't want to be told who to vote out. Mm -hmm. But I also knew I wasn't voting Clarence out because I told him I wasn't going to. But that wouldn't have helped anybody at the time for anybody to it. Else to have voted for Lex, I don't believe.
2: Yeah, yeah. Under so, under those strategic plans, the way the game was set up, you almost needed everyone to have a vote against them. You know, you didn't want to see anyone isolated. That was just clean. Mm-hmm. That was my yeah. opinion on that. You know, I thought it was a silly part of the game, but but well, they counted them. You know, so I said, well, why not everybody have a vote?
0: Yeah, because at that point in time, the previous votes still factored into the tiebreaker. So it was more Correct. of an issue where if you had votes against you, then in a, in a tiebreak situation, you could end up going home where otherwise uh, that as, as we had with Dr. Carl, you had the chance to play in a, a trivia competition and you had a chance to save yourself. Whereas if it was the previous votes, then you were just uh, out of luck.
1: That's correct, Rob. Right. Hey, and that reminds me, too. Frank, do you remember this? Now, this is another thing, too. Just what Rob just said, we knew previous votes at that time mattered. Do you remember when we went to Tribal Council when Linda was voted out? Remember, Silas told us two things. Silas told us, number one, do not write down Chip. I am not Chip. I'm Silas. And the (laughs) second thing was he told us to put all of our votes on Lindsay because and again the way he he treated us the whole time and he's still telling us Linda's going so that's the way that's going to happen but put all y'all's votes on he was telling us how to vote yeah he told us to well, vote for was, Lindsay it was, was crazy his,
2: that was his strategic thinking because Lindsay already had hits against her so he figured why not keep them coming to her. And that would isolate him, you know, where she would be dropped off sooner or later. Then that's all that was his thinking. Well, he we decided- wanted us, but then again, it fell on deaf ears because I wasn't going to listen to what he told me to do. So,
0: mm-hmm. right.
1: We decided we were going to share the love, give Lindsay love, and then we right. needed to give Silas a little love. Yeah. yeah,
0: Frank. What about the tribal council where you got voted at? Did you know that it was going to be your turn? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, undeniably. In fact,
2: yeah. the, you know, I knew Teresa's situation. I'll let her explain that. But even Big Tom had a little problem with it. Um, yeah. He didn't really want to vote me out. Tom and I bonded. He's just a cattle farmer, you know, rises early, works hard, you know. And uh, he had a problem with it. And I, in fact, were I see Lex, like somebody said on that episode, that uh, thought Frank was scrambling to try to stay in the game. I had walked out to Big Tom to just say, "Hey, buddy, it was a good run. I got to see Africa, like most men never will in their lifetime." I said, mm-hmm. "You put my name down and have no problems with it. We're going to be buddies for a long time."
3: Yeah, so, you know.
1: Yeah, we were. And, we were Big Tom's secondary alliance. Right. So Lex, right. Lex was running the show. Big Tom had Frank and I in the wings. We just we. Lex was the one we needed to get out. Lex was always the one that needed to come out, Frank. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, Lex. Like I said, after he just showed his reaction to getting a vote down there, it was just I had felt that he had looked like he was the spokesman for that tribe, you know, and his group on there. So I had felt the same way on there.
0: Yeah. Because Big Tom was sort of like building his group that uh, if he was going to get the numbers to be able to really take control of this thing, then uh, it was in his best interest to keep you guys around. And Lex knew that, right, T-Burn?
1: I'm not sure if Lex knew that. Do you think, Frank? I don't think. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure either on there. Like I said, mine was just a genuine, genuine interaction with Tom at the time. I didn't know Tom's plans. Other than I knew him, Ethan, and Lex, and, you know, Mom and Tim were together. And obviously, yeah. we had come into their camp, actually, and the odds were against us.
0: Hmm. What, what do you think, T-Bird?
1: Well, I was actually, now that I'm thinking back on it, I don't think Lex had a clue that Big Tom was doing anything with a secondary alliance because when I told them the, the, the day that I knew that my number was up <laughs> is when I told them, hey, you might want to look for Big Tom because he's been you know, talking about wanting to do a few other things. And I think Lex, I know Lex was totally shocked by that. He thought he was totally solid with Ethan yeah. and Lex. I mean, Ethan and Big Tom. And even Ethan, toward the end, started realizing if Lex makes it to finals, he's going to win. I don't know. So would you have voted? Hey, Frank, who would you yes, have voted ma'am. for between, oh, this is going to be good. I want to know this. Who would you have voted for if it had been, Mama Kim and Big Tom.
2: I would have gave it to Big Tom.
1: All right. What if it had been Big Tom and Ethan?
2: I probably would have gave it to Big Tom.
1: Okay. What if it had been Big Tom and Lex?
2: I would have gave it to Big Tom.
1: Okay. So between Big Tom and Lex, 100%, I would have given it to Lex. I mean, he he was like, he ran he ran the whole thing. I mean, he played so hard, so... That's interesting. So between the two, I wonder if big, between Big Tom and Lex, who would have won? Because our numbers would have been, our votes would have been split.
2: I'm sorry, I just have an inner alliance to farmers. That's all.
0: Yeah, I-, I love Big Tom. Also, that I-, I got a chance to play with him on the All Stars, and uh, he was uh, my favorite person that I was uh, got to spend time with out there. And I think he's very underrated, T Bird, as a player.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, because he unlike Lex, he's back in the shadows and and he was playing the game. But but Lex overshadowed him that way. But to win the game, you really need to play more like a Big Tom because Ethan to me. I mean, Big Tom between Big Tom and Ethan. I would have voted for Big Tom, by the way, because I felt like he played a lot more of the game than Ethan did. So, no, I absolutely agree with you about Big Tom. Yeah. Hey, so so and Frank, so Frank, you tell the story. So Frank was my number one alliance day one. I never would have turned on him. However, a lot of people say, "Well, you did vote for him." T Bird, come on. So Frank, explain that vote. I voted for you
2: because because you followed orders correctly, and I told you to. I said you will absolutely, yep. undeniably put my name down, and you will keep yourself isolated that way. I said, no matter what, no matter what your emotions or your feelings, play the game, put my name down. If you didn't put my name down, I was never going to talk to you again. <laughs>
3: <Wow>. <laughs> well, I
1: don't, well, I don't know about that, but yeah, and, and Frank, when when he was putting out your torch, and I'm not a, a crybaby person, but tears were just f- pouring out of my eyes Because not not just to lose my alliance, but to lose my buddy, the one I'd been true to the whole time. It was it was quite emotional for me.
0: Frank, did you guys ever have a disagreement out there? You and T-Bird? I don't believe so.
2: Never had a disagreement with T-Bird? No, shoot. We didn't have a
1: disagreement. No, but Frank, remember? No, we never had a disagreement. But, Frank, remember when you kept talking about brunch, brunch, what's brunch, what's brunch, what's brunch? Hey, Mama Kim, what's brunch? Finally, I'm like, Frank, drop the brunch thing. Stop it. Don't say that.
3: i
2: <laughs> curious.
1: Remember, don't do it.
2: I've, I've got to admit I had a game advisor out there. T-Bird was always looking out for me, even when they yeah. brought up the NRA and everything else. But, you know, like I said, I didn't come in as a... As, Statistician to play the game and to dupe and to come around the backside and do all that, my Mm -hmm. job is to charge and knock the wall down and go forward and win on there. And, uh, you know, that's what it was, but T bird, yes, was always politely in her nice personality reminding me from time to time to not be the bull in the China shop.
1: So Frank, have you watched any of the seasons since Africa? Have you stayed? You know, has Paul, or is Polly watching any of them? Um, you know?
2: I must admit, I did make an attempt to watch some, but when water was supplied in the tropics and they could hunt and they could fish, and it looked like a club med vacation to me, I probably would have mm-hmm. got a good suntan, <laughs> you know. But. No, it didn't it didn't do anything for me. I wish they'd do a cold-weather one somewhere up in the yeah. mountain regions. Something changed it up a little bit. It's turning too much into a Big Brother game or something, you know, like in a house, isolated.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think they need right. to get back to the survivor uh, origins, you know? Kind of like Dr. Carl telling me every day I need to go on the show alone, reminding me for the past <laughs> four years, you know? <laughs>
1: Yes. All right. So, Frank, yes, you would be perfect for alone loan. And you don't have to be social <laughs> Do
2: you know what a vacation that would be for me? Can you imagine it when finally they come out of it. the bush and they say, Frank, it. it's time to go home? And I go, Go home. There's been no cell phones, no computers, no Twitter, no Facebook, no yeah. female emotions. You kidding me? Just leave me here. I'm fine. Uh, just joking.
1: Oh, you'd be great. You would be great. So, Because, like I said, there's no social game with that. Now, would you play Survivor again?
2: Absolutely, Teresa. Now, listen, you can't stick me with the label anti-social, introvert, anything like that. I get along with everyone. I'm a chameleon. I can go from the bottom of the pyramid to the top. I can hang with anybody. It's just I'm going to stay true. I'm going to stay disciplined. I'm going to stay honest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm just gonna look for good people. Well I have
1: to be honest, I did not expect I did not expect you to yeah, say that. Neither. So what about you, Rob? Did you expect no, him I to thought, say especially that? Especially
0: after the club met, I thought he would say, uh, you know, uh hell no.
2: No, I'm hoping they're gonna change it up there shortly. Hey, so- in fact, I've mm. been talking to you guys so long on this podcast. Jeff Cross might be reaching out to me right now. I have no idea. <laughs> I probably should get <laughs> off the phone. Yeah. So I can pack my bags because
1: Hey, Frank, if, if you are is-
2: listening, you need me again. So you just say one and I'm gone.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. 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 Hey, Frank, I have to tell you this. So when I told Rob, because I was talking to you, I, I I reached out to you. We have really not been in contact all these years because I knew you. I thought you really wanted to separate yourself from Survivor, and even though you and I are bonded for life as friends, which we are, I decided I wanted to reach out to you, and I reached out to your wife first, and she gave me your number right away. And then when I talked to you, and as we were talking, and I asked you if you would be up at all for maybe doing this little chat with – with Rob and me. And you said, yes, I was shocked. And to say that, you know, to hear that you'd want to play again, I'm shocked, but in a great way. But when I told Rob, I said, Rob, Frank is going to talk with us on RHAP. Then Rob, tell me, tell Frank what you said when you had reached out to yes. him, you know, back a few years back.
0: Well, Frank, I was very surprised because of uh, that, Way way back when, and I, I I would be surprised if you even remember this, but uh, when I when I first started interviewing survivors, and and this was like fifteen years ago, um, okay. at the, the and I had I had moved out to uh, uh, California, and I was working at a production company, and we first started doing like these types of interviews with people, and there was like a survivor email list, and I emailed uh, like you know all the survivors at the time, and maybe there was like a hundred. And I had sent out an email, and I said, "Hey, just so you guys know, I'm doing these interviews. So if anybody wants to talk about what's going on in the current season, let me know." And I got an email back from you, which was, "Never contact me again. I don't want to talk to you."
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I must, Rob. It was nothing personal, sir. No disrespect. No, I get
0: it. I but get at it. At the no, time,
2: I, my email. Yes. I'm not an email guy. Okay. Even though yes. I work in the latest technology, splicing fiber giving people 120 megs up to a gigabit, HD television, all that. I'm kind of Mm -hmm. anti-electronic. I don't live by my emails. I'm not on Facebook. I don't do any Twitter accounts. So occasionally I go in there, and when you see I get 300-and-something emails that I have to catch up on, the delete button becomes my friend. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm just, you know what I mean? You were ahead of the so curve on Teresa's name or something else, you know, or Dr. Carroll. So no disrespect, yeah. sir, at the time. <laughs> it was just that. No problem. I mean, I've gotten requests, believe me, I, as much as everyone hated Frank from my wife saying I'd be the first one voted off to my original tribe wanting to vote me off to the next tribe wanting to vote me off to listen to <laughs> third party reports on, uh, their opinion pages in the media. Everything was counterbalanced by another portion of the crowd who said, we absolutely loved you. You deserved everything you got. Uh, I wish more people could be like you. Can you come and talk to my son from South Africa to Japan, to Norway, to Canada? You know what I mean? So I had done a good job. I'd done everything, but I just wasn't going to get involved in say the soap opera side of the things with people, you know. Yeah, so I was just worried things I, uh... would take out of context, and then you know. But I have no problem doing this. People know who I am. Long, so you know, my memory is still pretty solid on what went on with that. So, and and like I said, Ethan and I talk, Lex talk, and I big Tom, mm-hmm. Teresa. Now, I would have reached out to Teresa a long time, but you know how airline stewardess are? They're popping all over the country going here, doing that. You know, so yeah. I just never nailed it down. Hey, but Frank, I've always This been is kind of
1: interesting, too, because you are very solid. I mean, I would say emotionally, psychologically, and we all know this game can kind of mess you up. So I was interested. You know, once we are voted out, they have a a psychiatrist there <laughs> on site that meets with us immediately. So I want you to tell the story of wink the night you came off and meeting with a psychiatrist.
2: Yeah, sure. They put your torch out and you walked on a path in the back room and there's the behind the scene crews waiting. I had no idea what to expect other than is it treat T-Bird? Correct me. Is it Dr. Liza? Was it? Yeah. Yes. Is Dr. Liza. Yeah, who came up to me, and she was already ready to go through her procedure where the contestants go with her, and she comforts them and probably asks them questions and how they feel and and all that stuff. And she had come up to me like she was going to do something when somebody said, no, just send Frank with the British security guys over there to a tent on the outskirts somewhere. He's fine. I said, all right, see you. Is that where the beer is? So I went over with some British security guys that were working for CBS. They had an electric fence around. They treated me like I was British royalty. They had a table out there with a white tablecloth on it, brought potatoes, meat out, a huge barrel of Tusker beer. They said they were going to bed, showed me where my tent was. I stayed out there. Of course, you just eat a little bit. Your stomach's full because it shrunk. But I wasn't going to let that food go to weight. They woke up the next morning. I was still sitting at the table, still <laughs> drinking the beer and still eating my meal. And then they took yeah. me for a ride around the countryside, you know, with a tracker and a couple of rifles. I was having to seeing Africa like I always wanted to see it, you know, before they threw me back with the other jury people back
0: at Tassia Lodge. So. Yeah, did you get to travel a lot when you were on the jury? No, that
2: was the bad thing about it. When I got voted off, there was only like three more days of filming. I had to sit at Tassia Lodge with Brandon and uh, who was it? Kelly and yeah. I forgot who else on their tree, you know, But yeah, I had to sit with them. So all I did was <laughs> drink coffee at 6 a.m. with the help, help them, and then <laughs> walk around and drink beer all day and go for a walk you know it's kind of like in the game when i realized the tribe we're in teresa can tell you that i would grab my knife and spear and i'd go on a walk about all the time i would just Mm -hmm. go out for a walk Mm -hmm. the cameraman i knew they did say uh there goes frank again. he's just going out for a walk i didn't care i wanted to see the wildlife i wanted to see the zebra
1: and that's when you were dancing with the elephants frank right
2: yeah, yeah. The cameraman followed me out there, you know, and they're filming it. And, you know, and they wanted me to be careful on the elephant. I told them it's all right. And I just bent over and threw my arm out my canteen behind me and started walking with the elephant. He was a young bull and he was swaying with me. We had a good time. Big Tom thought yeah. I was crazy.
1: Hey, I just realized something. Did you name your third daughter Tasia from the Tasia Lodge?
2: Right. Now, it's kind of a sad story because you probably don't remember a young man that was a British born. He was part of the security team there with CBS. I met him at Tasia Lodge when I got voted out. Uh, he had taken me into a yeah. little town called Namnuki. He was uh, from Brenton home down there working conservation with the Maasai people. You know, showing him how to generate revenue, you know, through tourism. And he takes private parties out. His name was Anton. Do you remember that, Teresa? Uh, The sad part was... I
1: don't think I do, Frank.
2: He wore a headband around his head. The sad part about Anton, he was a young man. I think he was only 26, 28 at the time. He took a bond with me to ask me things about life, about my marriage, my wife, how do you know? Uh, We went out in the bush together on walks. He took me into Nanooki and bought me lunch uh, where some of the other survivors could do some trinket trading or something. But later on, he told me uh, how he appreciated how I was out there with the wildlife and with the Maasai people, uh, like with the bow and arrow challenge and interacting with them and even back at Tassia Lodge watching another favorite movie of mine, The Ghost in the Darkness, and laughing with them, playing charades about hunting and lions. And and uh, he told me about a, a a special place that where the first rains come and the first green grass comes at the senior elders, the great herds of elephants come in, and it was tied to Tassia somehow on there. So when I had gotten home before Tassia was born, he sent, like right out of the movies, a handwritten letter from a British person, completely, talking about uh, my experience, our experience with each other, and uh, with my daughter coming, and how special it was, and that I was telling him I love that name. I think I might name my daughter that, and he said, uh, basically, you know, if you do, uh, please bring her back. Uh, to this special place. <clears throat> the sad part was uh, he died two years later leading a small expedition into the bush. And there was a rogue elephant that charged. And even though he was armed with a rifle, he dispersed the group behind him, did not shoot the elephant and the elephant uh, trapped him. mm mm-hmm. So that was kind of a, a tough strange. loss. But he was a good kid, but, uh, yeah, it was special to him too, Africa. And I told him what it meant to me. Yeah. About being able to, uh, to go home and uh, tell my little girls stories, you know, at their bedtime about mm-hmm. a special place. And so, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was an experience I'll always treasure the rest of my life.
0: Frank, have you ever been back to Africa? No,
2: but uh, if you got a plane ticket, I'm with you. Do you want to <laughs> okay. go? You want a guide? I'll head right out there. We'll stay with the Maasai and we'll be happy. No electronics, though.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> hey, Frank. So, Frank, do you remember your final speech to the jury, to uh, Mama Kim and Ethan? Do you remember what your question was? Or
2: the two um, of them? Well, you'll have to refresh my memory, T-Bird. I forgot. I thought you were going to talk about my Will final you the, big the camera in the hut.
0: Well, you could tell us that one, too.
2: Oh, it was just yeah. uh, apologetic to my wife and my children that I had not won a million dollars. But I appreciated them for uh, thankful that they let me go and fulfill a little boy's dream. And I had promised them that I would do everything in my power. make their dreams come true as well so that was basically it
1: all right with your final speech you actually referenced the big five animals of africa and the question that you asked um ethan and mama kim was what what are the five characteristics that they would tell a new contestant that they would need to become the ultimate
2: survivor yes thank you for reminding me you're right i don't remember what their answers were though I'm sure Ethan I don't either. Was, yeah, I don't either was politically correct and online. so.
1: <sighs> I think it was a good question. I like the question. Excellent question. All right. So, do you remember oh, so at the Survivor you. Auction that you and I split a sandwich? Do you remember what kind it was?
2: Oh, do you remember that? And we almost didn't because when they yes. brought that beer out, I was going to give them all, Jeff, all my money for that beer. But at the last minute, <laughs> I hesitated because I said, this will not look good if I walk down there and give them $20,000 for that beer and I chug it in front of everyone. (laughs) He said, the only way I can do is if I buy the beer, make a toast, and let everyone share it. But then the sandwich came up, and I was more than glad. It was our first lunch date together.
1: Yes, it was. Do you remember (laughs) what we shared, what we ate together at our first lunch date?
2: Uh, Was it a meatball sub?
1: Yes, it was a hey, meatball hoagie. Best meatball hoagie yeah, I've ever long. had in my yeah. whole entire life.
0: And hey, deeper, do you remember what you said when you when you ate it? Jeff asked you uh, how it was.
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> good, good enough to make you want to slap your mama <laughs> or maybe your grandma. I'm gonna mark uh, well, that well, for the soundboard. Like yeah, that was so good. It was so 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 good. <laughs> hey, Frank, you know um. Rob is the survivor expert. Like, he knows so much stuff. It's unbelievable. So I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask you and Rob and see if either one of y'all know this. And by the way, I did not know these, but I'm going to see if you guys know. All right. Don't look at anything. Don't reference anything. Frank, I know you're not because you're sitting in your, tr- your work truck. All right. But here's the first question Correct. for you and Rob. What animal is featured in the Survivor Africa logo? Hmm. Okay, Rob. Let's let our guest go first. Let's let our <laughs> guest go first. Okay, Frank. Giraffe. Rob.
0: Yeah, that, I, I think that's right. I, that I wouldn't have guessed it, but now that he said it, I can see it.
1: Yes, that's right, you guys. I didn't know that. I, can you? Very good. Okay, this is the next one. All right, <laughs> Kelly G. When Kelly G. had a number in her head at the final, um, the final jury for Mama Kim and Ethan. Kelly G. had a number in her head that she asked him to pick between one and a thousand, I guess it was. What number was the number she was thinking of? Frank, do you know?
2: No clue. That's all <laughs> Rob.
0: Yeah, I think it was five, five something that uh, she talked about it when we talked to her.
1: Yep. It was, from it the was Graduate. number 568. Yeah,
0: I don't remember uh, the number. Yes, that's what
2: I know. Rob, how is Kelly doing? Frank- Good. She was doing good. Yeah. Good. She she holds a special place, too, because when Tassia was born, a few weeks later in the mail, I received a little baby blanket that was sewn with the Kenyan colors in it from Kelly.
1: Oh, kill. And she did it because <laughs> nice. she's yeah. a big knitter. Very she nice. sewed it, didn't she? She knitted it, didn't she, Frank? Yep. All right, so this is my le- very last question for you guys. What was the first food that was used for the bribe in the immunity challenge? Okay, Frank.
2: Wow. The first food.
1: Used for a bribe in the immunity challenge.
2: Cheeseburger.
0: No clue. Boom! Yes! yes oh,
1: well, I'm a good sorry, guess. I didn't let you oh, okay. answer. I was good. so excited that Frank got it. Yeah. Did you know that, Rob? Did you know it?
0: I did not. I did not know it. I would have said like a, uh, a donut.
1: A pizza. I would have said a wow. slice of pizza
0: or something. I I think, I ought, be, I, I, think
2: that. I ought to be hosting this podcast.
0: Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's
3: right.
1: <laughs> All right, so now I've got a couple of things I wanted to ask you. So, Frank, I want to name a couple of the other players that were out there with us. And I want you to tell me the very first word. One word that comes to mind when I mention each of these players. Tell me when you're ready.
2: Oh, this is where this is where you get me in trouble on the social circles, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm ready.
1: <laughs> okay. You ready? Okay. Big Tom. A friend. Okay. Mama Kim. Um,
2: separate class. Lex. Misunderstood.
1: That's good. Doctor B Humor Say that again? Humor Okay, humor. Kelly G
2: too serious.
1: Brandon.
2: Oh underused use for Brandon? Lost.
1: Okay. Clarence?
2: Means well. Ethan. Quiet. Linda. Um sociable.
1: All right, last two, last two. Silas?
2: No clue.
0: (laughs) You have no clue or he has no clue? He has no clue. Okay. (laughs) Silas,
1: yeah. All right, and Lindsay, Angry. All right, there you go. That's it.
2: How come you didn't ask me about T-Bird?
0: Yeah, what about T-Bird?
2: Overreaching. <laughs> Overreaches. He hunted me down for this.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: I'm what do you think? Yeah. yeah,
1: I love you too.
0: As a hunter, how do you rate T Bird's uh, hunting skills of tracking people and then hunting them down?
2: Oh, very good. Uh, based on 10, yeah. I, I give her an eight. And Mate. in the real world, I think she could adapt to it too. She has attention to detail. She listens and she's willing to try an adventure. And I think she'd be a very good hunter.
0: Okay.
1: So, so Frank, how can I move from an eight to a perfect 10? What do I need to do?
2: Oh, you mean as far as hunting these people down? You need to get on that discounted airline and fly (laughs) and come right to the front door of these people. This is live camera behind you. Oh, my God, Frank, that is so funny. Make sure, listen, make sure you get compensated well for it, though, too, all right? Okay.
1: Hey, that is so funny, Rob, that he's saying this. Because, Frank, listen, there's one person I've been talking to for the last two months that a lot of the listeners want on this, uh, you know, on our chat. And she has said, well, I guess I just told you she. She has said, the only way I'll talk to you is if you fly out here and she lives all the way across country. I'm not telling you who it is yet. Of course, if I talk long enough, you'll figure it out. She said, if you fly here, and it's not one of these fly right into the, you know, Uh, I don't think you have to worry about Frank
0: figuring it out. I I think it's long after Frank stopped watching the show. This person played. Right, right.
1: Yeah, but I know, but I still don't want the listeners to know. Because I'm not so sure I might not fly out there.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I think you
2: should. I mean, if I had the job assignment, that's what I would do. Rob, gimme the list. Yeah. He knows about the list. Yeah.
3: Hey, Frank. Frank. Example. Hey, Rob,
1: I gotta tell Miss. Hey, hey, Frank. So Rob gets a little bit a little bit um uh what's the word? Aggravated just a little bit with me. But do you know I have a That's do not, not fly true. list? Yeah. I have a small, small, very small list of people I cannot contact. What do you think about that? Me being limited like that.
2: I think you're uh you're accepting your limitations and you need to regroup, refocus. Mm-hmm. Everyone can be reached today. Nobody can hide in the world. And I
1: need to. I need to renegotiate. <laughs> Thank you, Frank.
0: Thank you, sweetie. Uh, I, think that- I
2: hope I helped you <laughs>
0: Yeah, but uh, but I think that Frank also uh, probably uh, respects boundaries also, and and so if there is like a small group of people, okay, we don't need to engage these specific people. I feel like that uh, Frank would understand that.
2: Rob, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That was not thrown into the equation. But if yeah. someone I did preliminary reach to, and I would have to respect their opinion on there. That's all.
0: Yeah. Uh okay, yeah. Teresa. Anything else?
1: No, Frank. I I love you to pieces. You know, I think the game like Survivor is very difficult for people that are very sh- straightforward, very truthful, very honest. Um, and that you got to day thirty is amazing, especially since you couldn't hunt or fish for anybody. And especially since your wife and whoever the social media was at that time said you would be the first one out, you did amazing. And that I got to meet you and that I got to have your alliance is such a blessing and and to call you friends. So thank you. I love you to pieces, Frank.
2: Ditto, Teresa. Thank you so much. Like I said, a memory for a lifetime. You always will hold a special place in my heart. Don't be a stranger you bump into Jeff Pro's Tom, I'm waiting by the damn phone. Give me his, you know, give him my number and say, let's get this done.
0: All right, Frank. Thank you for spending so much time with us. Also, uh, I really appreciate that.
2: Appreciate it. Rob, it was nice meeting you and best of luck in your future endeavors.
0: Yes, thank you.
2: And feel free to contact me if you ever need an
0: assist when you're in New York. Okay, you got it. All right. All right. Frank. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great Thank day, guys. Thank you, Frank. Guys. I'll
1: talk to you soon. Right. Love you. Take care. all right Bye.
0: Bye-bye. All right, T-Bird. There you go. Frank Garrison.
1: That was awesome! <laughs> Wasn't that yeah. awesome?
0: Very good. Very so, good.
1: So, Rob, I, it was very good. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. And you know what's? And, and, you know, I think he used the word misunderstood for Lex. I think he did. But I think Frank is also um, misunderstood because he's got that hard exterior. But but he's got such a warm, beautiful, beautiful heart and such strong convictions for what he believes in.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, Frank is a great example of a character that is from the like the early days of the show where they said, OK, let's you know, let, let's have somebody who's really set in their ways in this way and somebody who's really set in their ways uh, in this other way. Like, a, you know, a Sue Hawk, for example, is another person and. You know, they are not going to, you know, change the way they are because they're on television or because they're in a game. And it was a chance to see people that might be different from uh, the way that other people were going to be on the show or might be different than you were as the viewer. And it was a chance to learn about these different types of people. And so. Uh, I really do respect Frank and uh, getting to hear more about, you know, uh, where he's coming from. And I I had no idea about uh, his family and uh, the the, uh, taking uh, in foster children as well. So uh, really interesting stuff from Frank.
1: Yeah, again, it's 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 interesting when you know how they pair everybody to play out there and how appropriate that they would put, you know, do this Social experiment and putting him with Brandon um, and especially Brandon, but kind of even Dr. B and Dr. B and Frank have stayed you know, in touch through the years. But I'm sure they thought that might even be, you know, a conflict with Dr. B, you know, being a dentist mm-hmm. and Carl. Who is very extremely successful did not hide the way he was out there either, that, you know, he was a dentist and that he did quite well with the cars that he had. And so I'm sure casting thought they may have had, you know, something going as far as with that he might have something with, you know, Dr. B because they come from such different places, such different lifestyles.
0: Yeah. So great job, Bird Dog. You are an expert survivor hunter.
1: Thank you. Coming from you. I'll take it. Thank you for that. What a great... I know it's hard. I'm really excited. So I know I I always say I'm excited, but I am excited because Frank has been really in obscurity. Yeah. I really thought when I asked him if he would play again, he would... Actually, I didn't think he would do our chat. I certainly didn't think that he would want to play again, but it gives all the listeners a part of him out of the game. And I got a feeling that people are going to respect him a whole lot after listening to, um, to this chat we've had with him.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, a real treat to, uh, get to catch up with, uh, a real, uh, old school survivor player, Frank Garrison. All right. T bird, a- anything else you wanted to talk about today?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I have one more thing. so, To my survivor expert, who is the survivor expert, this is the question for you today. So I referenced in our chat with Frank that at the survivor auction, Frank and I bought and shared a meatball hoagie. Yeah. the meatball hoagie cost us 16,500 Kenyan shillings. Don't be Googling anything right now. Sixteen thousand okay. five hundred Kenyan shillings. What does that equal to in US dollars?
0: In two thousand one or now?
1: This would have been now. Now.
0: Now. Okay. Uh dollar is strong. Yes. Uh uh eight dollars.
1: Okay, no. So nowadays, for a meatball hoagie in Kenya for $16,500, you will pay $162.68. US? I knew there the, was a, uh, yes,
0: a meatball. US. Uh, that, that, well, that's what you paid. That's not the going rate for a meatball hoagie in Kenya today, right?
1: Well, probably not, but but we paid right. at the auction $16,500. Right. That, that's like what shillings. you would pay
0: at a, at a ballpark. Yeah.
1: Right. And that's what we paid. So I knew that hoagie was really, really good. Now I know why.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Tasting good. All right. T-Bird, great job once again. Of course, if people want to reach out with more suggestions, at T-Bird Cooper, Uh, We got to figure out what we're going to do when when the Survivor season comes back. Maybe if you want to track down to people who want to talk about the season, maybe uh, we could do something like that as well. So uh, keep throwing those ideas out there for at T-Bird Cooper.
1: Yes, definitely. And again, I'm taking your suggestions or recommendations, but yeah, if you've got even any ideas like Rob just said of what we could do. The on season, though, is so busy that these our little chats might get lost because there's so much going on. But if we are talking about the season, that might change it up. We just have to know, hey, I know what, maybe in the on season, we talk to people or players, past players that aren't OGs. We talk to people maybe more recent. What do you think about that? Just a suggestion. Well,
0: I mean, that's kind of what I uh, already do to you, Bert.
1: Oh, well, then you don't need me for that.
0: Yeah, that's but
1: I'm available.
0: (laughs) We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And
1: not only that, Frank's available. Be careful. He might just take your place.
0: He might. He might. Uh, I think he'd hang it up after uh, a couple of these uh, interviews that I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, yeah. T Bird, great job once again. Of course, a uh, big thanks to the patrons of Rob as a Podcast who make all of this possible. Check out everything we're doing over at com slash patron for our patron only podcast feed and access to our patron only Facebook group and much more over at com slash patron. And T Bird, uh, you know how we like to uh, close it out. Let's uh, listen to the beautiful. Sound. Oh, we should have played this for Frank. He hasn't got to hear you sing Uh, sing since uh, you guys were in uh, Africa. Am I saying it wrong, T? But Frank says Africa.
1: Am I saying it wrong?
0: Do you say Africa?
1: No, I don't. Frank does. I was gonna say Africa. I like it though. It's different. Yeah. I say Af. I'm. I'm Southern. I say Af. So I draw. I draw it out. Yeah. I'm from
0: Long Island. We say Africa. 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 Okay. Right. I've
1: never heard of Africa before. I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, did he say Catchy. it that way on the show or is that new?
1: I didn't notice it, but he said it the whole time we were talking. Now, every yeah. time he said, he Africa, said Africa, he said Africa. Every time.
0: Yeah, he also said zebra.
1: And zebra. Uh, I like. Lo- yeah. Yes.
0: I've only heard Peppa Pig say that. <laughs> okay. All right, here's T-Bird. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> if you stay
0: It always gets strange in Africa.